What's up, guys? It's your host, Dan Shalaba, and we're here with episode three, Skate Talk. Last week, we talked about skateboarding and its origin on the East Coast. This episode, we'll be concentrating on skateboarding and the culture and how it originated from the West Coast. Yeah, uh, you think of skateboarding and where it began, most people think of the West Coast, and they're right. Uh, it originally came to California, Southern California, when surfers were looking for uh, a, an, an, al- an alternate way of finding, you know, a way to ride around uh, when waves are flat. So why not ride their boards through the streets with wheels? But, uh, you know, at first it really didn't catch on. It wasn't didn't really blow up until the 60s. And this was because rubber wheels were first introduced. And this was like a sniff, a significant point. It was uh, in the late 60s when the introduction of urethane wheels and other innovations in the early 1970s brought about a renewed interest in the sport and a search for more challenging places to ride. For a few years in the early 1970s, an empty um, Escondido Reservoir became the hotspot to skate in South, Southern California, and its terrain influenced the design of future skate parks. Uh, this is why you could say Southern California may be the epicenter, the, the mecca center of s- skateboarding, and I totally agree. Uh, this is where a lot of big skateboarders came from, including the legend Tony um, Tony Hawk. This is where he started. He started in the early 90s, I want to say. Could be wrong. But uh, that's where he originated. He started in Southern California, where he grew up. Now skateboarding today in, in Southern California wouldn't be if it wasn't without uh, urethane wheels. It's once it was skateboarding was uh, you know around the late 1940s and 50s when surfers in California were looking for uh, uh, something to do when waves were flat. Uh, they'd ride around, but it wasn't until when rubber wheels were introduced that this huge wave of skateboarding was brought to the public, and it was now. You didn't have to have a surfboard. You could just have a board with wheels and ride around. And it's almost like in Southern California, you could go anywhere now and you could find a skate park. It's just, it's you could argue it's one of uh, skateboarders' heavens. Like I said, New York City and Montreal, you could all throw those away. You go to California today, it's, you know, it's kind of like... 50-50 50-50 when you meet someone they probably do skate <laughs> um so really skateboarding is like like widespread comeback uh after the rubber wheels were introduced um a lot of competitions started to come about uh del mar big name in skateboarding too along with tony hawk uh hosted one of the largest skateboarding competitions in the 1960s it's now called the uh, Del Mar National Championship. It's a two-day competition. Uh, and it really introduced a new way to ride. And this all happened in... This all started in the 1960s and, and then into the uh, 70s, mostly. Uh, some big other big names that came about were Tony Alva, Jay Adams, and Stacey Perelda. Um, a good movie to watch that is based on true events and based on this huge um, movement 
skateboarding in the nineteen uh, the late sixties and seventies is Lords of Dogtown, one of my favorite movies. It's, it's awesome. It's sick. Um, this is it really depicts the introduction of rubber wheels, and what these kids were able to do with it. They first started riding around, and after quickly realizing how like similar it was to just surfing, that's when they took it to empty um, empty pools, and they took it to yeah, they took the empty pools in the summer. They were just fi- what they were doing realistically was you could see in the movie they were trying to find empty pools in people's backyards that they <laughs> weren't allowed in, and and trying to break into and just riding their their empty pools. So yeah, you could probably you probably uh, also add that adds to the stereotype of how like skateboarders are like outsiders or like you know mischiefs. But really, they were just trying to find they're just trying to find the, the perfect ride, <laughs> not to get corny, but um, that's when that's when skate parks then became about because it was skateboarding was so early and so uh, unmolded. It wasn't until the people who first introduced rubber wheels then started funding for skate parks, like the big names I just uh, said before, uh, Del Mar, Tony Alva, Jay Adams. They all started funding for competitions and skate parks, and that's when kids were finally, you know, allowed to, you know, ask their parents if they could buy a skateboard and go to a skate park, and it was that easy. Compared to the East Coast, where like skate skateboarding skate parks are hard and not as easy accessible. Or yeah, accessible. You just had to, you know, find a basketball court and just hope you don't find a, uh, hit a rock or a crack and go flying. But that was most of the, that was the case most of the time. That's why I really sympathize. Not because I'm I grew up on the East Coast, but that's why I really sympathize with the East Coast and their culture and origins. I just feel like they're a little bit more hardcore and edgy compared to like the West Coast skaters. But uh, you could argue about it anyway. After the 70s and skateboarding became mainstream, um, that's when, uh, like I said, skate parks really flourished and stuff, and they started becoming even more extreme with half pipes and skating urban environments, creating what became known as street style. Um, this is street style really picked up in the 80s in, in the East Coast, but it was introduced in the West Coast first in the 1980s. Um, it increased the board size and improved truck constructions, helped the new style thrive. It was during this time that a distinctive youth subculture began to develop around the sport. Punk rock and baggy clothes became closely closely associated with young skaters, like I said before. They you know, gave that kind of mischief-like stereotype. Uh, the daring and indivis- individual nature of street and vert skateboarding was spread through straight-to-video documentary films that found a large youth audience. And this was around the time MTV, so MTV picked up on this movement, and MTV was watched by a large demographic of younger audiences, so skateboarding blew up even more. And that's when legend Tony Hawk and Steve Cabarello were introduced, and street skaters, uh, Nadas Kupas and Mark Gonzalez, uh, also became about, and that's when X Games kind of came into the picture as well, in the uh, late 1980s, and yeah, transferred to X Games and then being aired on a uh, TV, and today X Games has 
became so huge that now uh, if you look at skateboarding it has officially been entered in the 2021 uh, Tokyo Olympics and uh, yeah the World Olympics that'll be in held in Tokyo uh, skateboarding for the first time is going to be a event which is huge for skateboarding and you could say it's all thanks you could all give it your thanks to the the West Coast and their rubber wheels and um, creating skateboarding as we know today really um, yeah that is the basic understanding and I encourage anyone who is still interested to learn more about the topic to look up Tony Stark uh, not Tony Stark Tony Hawk um, Steve Cabello and all these huge West Coast names totally totally definitely encourage everyone um, and just look behind their stories because then once you look up one skateboard it always leads to another you know also leads to all the competitions they competed in in the 80s and even deep back to the 70s depending how old they are so yeah check it out uh thanks for listening this brings us to the end of our third episode of skate talk thanks for listening guys Skate-talk.